Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everybody, Merry Christmas and welcome to a bonus episode for Undying Light. I am your host Alex and tonight is Christmas Eve and this is probably in my opinion one of the uh, my most favorite days uh, next to Christmas because I feel like the anticipation, it's just, it's everywhere. It's so amazing and it's not just, you know, the day before Christmas and you get all these gifts and food and family and, you know, those are well and good, but it's the night that our Savior was born, technically the night before, right? I mean, particular time, different episode, different argument, but for con- for the uh, for the sake of this show, we anticipate the birth of Christ to be on December 25th sometime in the early morning. Therefore, Christmas Eve is that day before the setup, the anticipation. And so as we've gone through this little series, we've kind of ranted on uh, episode one. We looked at Christmas and, and paganism. We looked at the, some of the common arguments against Christmas even within the Christian circles around the use of Christmas trees and opening presents and uh, things of that sort. And then week two and three, uh, we talked about the prophecies that uh, call out to the upcoming birth of Christ. And uh, we looked at some of the names in Isaiah chapter nine last week. And so today... Uh, I really want to take a moment and I want to I want to look to the end because this is you know the Advent season right this is the anticipation of the birth of Christ and so we're going to read a little scripture here and then I want to look at the end and so we're going to look at Luke chapter one starting in the twenty sixth verse and here we go. 
In the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin bestrode to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for I have found, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, you, give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And I just want to stop there. And as we uh, set up to understand this season, I want us to know the birth of Christ, right? We have looked at some prophecies. We've looked at some of the names that Christ will have, which we know is not exhaustive. But I also want us to consider something else as we look at the birth of our Savior. And that is, in fact, the end of times, right? Because as Christians, this birth signals the end. This is the start of the end for us. And this is basically like step one. This is part one. This is the first move. God is unfolding his plan and he's calling his church to him through his son, Jesus Christ. And when all of that is fulfilled, the end comes. And so with Advent season in full swing, we are literally hours away from the celebration of our Savior. But I want us to rewind just a little bit. I want us to look at this concept. In the church calendar, if we go back a few weeks, the first Sunday in Advent always is a, uh, a, a sermon, a gospel message on the end of times. And this year I preached a text from Mark 13, verses 27 through 37, 24 through 37, sorry. And that text is primarily uh, focused on the end of times. And it runs uh, parallel, actually, to the Olivet Discourse that we find in Matthew chapters 24 and 25. But it's interesting, as we get to this verse, or as we get to these verses, we, this chapter, this part of the year, um, we have just gone through Thanksgiving, and now we enter Advent season, and now we're within just a few weeks of Christmas. And as this episode airs, a few hours before Christmas. And so I really wanted to kind of talk about this because I feel like it's something that is not often uh, discussed too much during the Christmas season. And, you know, and and I think it's a perfect time because I think the, the end of times with Christ correlates so perfectly with the birth of Christ, right? Nobody's expecting this. We're busy running around, getting ready for the holidays. We're uh, busy shopping, visiting family, getting the food, getting the gifts. Now, 
with COVID, it might slow things down. It might change things up a little bit. You might be doing Zoom meetings, you know, or, you know, Zoom family meals. And, you know, you might be visiting relatives from a distance, things like that. That's understandable. But generally speaking, this is the time of year when we get bogged down with, with life. And for most people, Christ gets put on the back burner. He's forgotten about you might decorate your house with Santa Clauses and snowmen and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. and You'll have your little Christmas tree up with all the little ornaments on it. And you'll put Christmas lights on your house. And you might even put a little nativity scene out there and uh, to showcase that you're a Christian. And those things are well and good. But is Christ the center of your mind from the very, very beginning of the season? And really... This year seems to have amplified that thought. It's been chaotic. COVID runs rampant, and there's talk of you know um, vaccines coming out. But will that solve the problem? We don't know yet. There's tension and division in this country over the color of one's skin and the ideology of one's mind. The presidency, at least at this juncture, as I record this episode, has yet to be decided completely, and therefore more division is caused. And we seemingly have just a massive divide. No matter where the things start to fall, there's going to be an us versus them or them versus us division, Christians versus the world. But honestly, that's been the same thing always. We have been hated since Christ came into this world. And so it's easy to put Christ right, put him on the back burner, forget about him. He's just, we'll get to him when we get to him. He's, he's just not important right now. Uh, I don't have time. I have to get Susie to soccer practice and Timmy to this. While it's 20 degrees outside, I'm sure Susie's not playing soccer outdoors. I could be wrong. I don't play soccer. Sorry for all you soccer fans. But thing is, is you and I... We run ragged, we work long hours, and we completely have lost sight of the purpose of the season. And so when I started to put together this Christmas season, this little series for this year, I really wanted to make sure that I touched base on this topic, um, and and I wanted to walk through this um, this perspective of looking at the end first. And I think understanding the end helps us appreciate and understand the beginning much better. And so if we go, uh, I'm going to bring up Mark 13 here, and we will read just a few of these verses here. Um just to provide context to this episode, starting in the 24th verse. But in those days after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, and from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree lesson, uh, from the fig tree, learn this lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and points puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. 
Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all of these things take place. Heaven and earth will not pass away, but my words will not. But concerning the day and the hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, of, nor the Son but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when that time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home, he puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he suddenly, lest he comes suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So this is some text that we are getting here uh, that runs parallel to the Olivet Discourse. This is text on the second coming of Christ. And, and I think it helps us to truly understand the end from the beginning. When we can truly appreciate what it is that the gospel narrative is telling us here about the birth of Christ and how it points us to the, the, essentially the beginning of the end because that is what this is all about. And at this discourse, we know that it is the end of Jesus' life. The end of his ministry is just a few short hours away. And interestingly enough, this is just a rare time that he has with his disciples. He comes to the Mount of Olives and delivers this final sermon. And Jesus starts by describing what that day is going to look like in his return. He's continuing his comment in verse 24 by pointing back to verse 22, speaking about the false prophets and false teachers. But yet he presents these fearful images and what his return will look like. The sun will darken. The moon will not give light. Stars falling from heaven. That to me is frightening. Unimaginable. I can't even begin to describe how in the middle of daylight or at night how that would just be utterly frightening. And hearing about this, I mean, for any time period, unbelievers hearing this text, even today people hearing this text, it should draw some fear. It should, it should make people worried about the power and glory of Christ coming on that day. <sighs> but with all of the troubles in the world, everything going on, and now we are faced with this, this chaotic scene. I can't even imagine, really. I mean, this just is awesome. Honestly, awesome and powerful. And by awesome, I mean not like, you know, the way the world uses it, but it just truly demonstrates the power and glory of Christ. This picture that Jesus paints us here is a change of subject, really, right, from verses from the 24th verse uh, and, and, and previous. Because he's talking about all of these events early in chapter 13. He's talking about these events as they unfold, and then he turns now in verse 24 and changes the subject. He says, after this period of suffering, after the tribulation, after this, 
this is what will happen. And this is setting us up for that final moment when we hear the trumpet blast. He's telling us not to pay attention to the things of this world. Do not get yourself caught up in the false teachings and the false prophets and those who are claiming to be Christ. And yet, he tells us to turn and be watchful of the heavens. Interestingly enough, though, there's not a time gap given here in verse 24. There's no indicators of time, uh, of length of time between the, the, the temple being destroyed and his second coming. It just says, and after those days. That could be 2,000 years. It could be seven years for the dispensationals out there. But interestingly enough, this text does not give us any time. So uh, many believe that the text in early Mark 13 here points to AD 70 with the destruction of the temple. And therefore, we have this long gap of time between that point and the second coming of Christ. But then we're faced with this the language of the cosmos here, right? The sun darkening, the light not giving any light, the moon not giving any light. Now, these are scenes that are painted oftentimes in the Old Testament. Anytime a, a major historical event takes place, usually focusing around destruction, right? Jerusalem gets sacked, Israelites taken into captivity, Babylon, Babylon gets destroyed, all these events, right? These cataclysmic events are always painted in the cosmos. And so Jesus is telling us, when this moment happens, when the trumpet sound blasts, be ready, be looking, because this is what you'll see. And here we know that Jesus will come and the glory in his language points to us to that moment, not back to the destruction of the temple. But interestingly enough, our text in Mark omits the trumpet blast. And that's okay. The text in Mark doesn't have to talk about a trumpet blast because we know that the Matthew text and the Olivet Discourse there brings us to that. So we can know that at the coming of Christ, there will be a sound uh, of a trumpet where he will then send out his elect, or his angels to gather the elect. So let us, let's take a step back for a moment here. Jesus, coming in all of his awesomeness and power and glory, the Son of Man, a, a, an event that is going to be witnessed by every single person. This isn't going to be like the birth of Christ that is done in a manger off in the country in a, in a little bitty town that nobody remembers or knows about. It's going to come and everybody will see it. He's going to come in the clouds with power and glory. And he comes to establish his kingdom. And unlike his birth or even the start of his ministry, where both events were announced, this won't be. This will happen suddenly. This will happen unexpectedly. The question, though, is yet with no announcement, how do we know? Do we just wait this out? Do we um, 
fall in line with this world and just kind of go about our daily lives, waking up in the morning and going to work and coming home and watching TV until we fall asleep? Do we just get bored? Get tired? Lose sight? Fall into sin with the rest of the world? But, you know, I'm sure you've heard this, right? Somewhere in your teaching, somewhere along the lines, you've heard, But Christian, you be ready. Jesus is coming. So you just be ready. He could come any minute, any time. And look, I'm not mocking that at all, because that statement is so true. But I think the premise is a bit off. And I think the premise of it is a bit wrong. I think the fact that the Christian should always be vigilant, always be ready, always be looking. But it's not something for us to get wrapped up into, and I'm going to explain that in a few minutes. I don't want you to get so wrapped up in waiting. But regardless, you've heard this phrase used, and you wait, and you grow tired, and you grow weary. To the point of being mocked and ridiculed for your faith. Mocked and ridiculed because you decided to become a Christian and wait. Oh, they've been saying Jesus is coming back for 2,000 years and he ain't here yet. You must must have a lot of faith believing that he's going to be coming back soon. And funny enough, the early church experienced the same exact thing. But see, their their passion was different, right? They were literally told that he was coming back right away. They felt that these generations wouldn't pass away. That all these events would happen. And they were they were it was this was it. Jesus was calling his people, time was ending. This is it. We're done. We're going home. Those who believe will be called up with him, and those who don't will be cast into hellfire and brimstone. This is it. And the early church was mocked and ridiculed and persecuted for it. But yet they persevered, and they kept waiting. But interestingly enough, on top of waiting, we're given more instructions in these next couple of verses. In verses 29 and 30, Jesus makes a reference back to verse 14 in the desecration of the temple. And what he's doing here is he's giving us this little bit of a timeline. Just a little bit. He says, those those events will take place before this generation passes away. But these events, he's not speaking about the sun and the moon darkening. He's talking about the temple being destroyed. And so, that's in of itself, a very different topic to talk about. So we will move on. But he makes a very clear clarification on time. He says, no one knows the day. Not a person. Not the angels in heaven. Not even him, Christ, the Son of Man. But he says this, though, speaking as a man. He says this in the state of his humanity. Let's make a note that Jesus does not always speak from his divine knowledge. He is not always speaking as the Son of God. 
he could simply be speaking as Jesus in his humanity. So there are some things that I feel that Jesus has, you can say surrendered, or maybe neglected to carry on with him into his uh, humanity. And I think this would be one of them because it would be another level of temptation that Jesus doesn't need to carry, another burden that he doesn't need to have. And it's simply easier for him to say that no one knows the date or time and not even him. But this phrase is the first time the day and the hour are introduced to us here. And this phrase comes as a singular point. The day and hour. This brings us back to that trumpet blast that Matthew talks about, right? The trumpet sounds and the angels are sent to gather the elect. So here we are at the end of our text. Be ready, be awake, do not fall asleep. This obviously does not literally mean don't go to sleep at night. You need to sleep. Your body needs to recuperate. You need to replenish. We are broken and sinful human beings and our bodies are broken and sinful and they need to sleep. So go to sleep. But what this means, be awake and be ready, is talking about a lifelong preparedness, an unwavering effort to always be ready. And with no one knowing, the Christian goes about their work diligently. Augustine tells us, let no one then search out the last, for the last day when it is to be, but let us watch all by our good lives, lest the last day of any of us find us unprepared. It's an easy trap to fall into, though, isn't it? Right? We get so wrapped up in searching for this last day. And interestingly enough, as the the, the hectic year that I've mentioned earlier in this episode, all this chaos, it's easy for, for us to fall into this trap. False teachers and prophets will rise and start proclaiming the dates of when they know Jesus is coming. And then we start doing the math and we're like, oh man, that makes sense. It sounds good. It's just right around the corner. Oh, I, I gotta get ready. I should be scared. Should I be scared? Should I be happy? This guy finally figured it out. He's got the answers. I'm going to tell you something, though. He's definitely wrong. Or she's wrong because, you know, women can be prophetists now. And yes, I mockingly said that. If people come out and actively predict the end of time and they say this particular date, they are lying. Plain and simple. So rather than wasting your time chasing a date, we should focus on bringing the gospel to the world and bringing it to a people who do not know Christ as their Lord and Savior. This is the command for us to stay awake and a call for us to remain alert to proclaim the gospel to, the, to those who do not know. So the question I have to ask you, the listener, when is the last time you shared the gospel? When is the last time that you talked about your faith? When did you go out of your way to talk about the hope and comfort you have in God? In a world of uncertainty, it is easy for us to get trapped away in our little circles. But guess what? This command does not go away. 
This command stays. It has been rooted in the scriptures since the the apostle or scribe wrote it down. The command is permanent. Go, therefore, and make disciples. It does not change. It does not come and go as the world changes. It's not altered. can't be manipulated. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And with so much comfort that Christ can bring, this is the message we should be bringing to the chaotic world, one that is hurting and in need of Christ. The world is indeed evil and the times are waxing late. Be sober and be vigilant. The judge is standing at the gate. The judge that comes in mercy. The judge that comes in might to terminate evil and to crown the righteous. So with such evil, it is indeed easy to, f- to flee off, to run away, and to not stand bold on the gospel. And this is why we look to the end of the celebration when we look at the birth. This is why we look to the end. Because Christmas isn't about a baby in a manger. It's about the King of Kings who comes in the flesh. It is about Jesus coming to fulfill God's promise to us for our Messiah. We can look at this Advent season and rest on the promise of God. Jesus comes as an infant, but he comes to reconcile us with the Father. He comes and offers forgiveness of our sins to all of those who have ears to hear. And that is what this season is really about. The anticipation of the coming King and all the glory and power. We rest knowing that Christ has come and he will come again to judge his church. He will come again to call his people to him. And so, this is a shorter episode, but I really want to highlight this this truth that Christ is coming. We can look back now in hindsight and celebrate his birth tomorrow morning. But we should also be anticipating his triumphant and glorious return. What a magnificent moment that will be for those who are awake. To see Christ coming and splitting the clouds. Can't even imagine it. So that is why I looked back into Mark on this Christmas Eve, because I want to describe this this awestrucken moment that Christ will return. But for now, we rest and we celebrate this perfect infant being born tomorrow morning. And I am just just in awe of all of this text that we can relish. And as we've, like I said, looked back in the previous weeks, we've seen the prophecies point us to Christ. We've seen the names of our glorious Savior. And now Chris and I will come tomorrow with this amazing Christmas Day text. I am just in awe of the beauty and the glory that rests on me tonight, this Christmas Eve. 
What a perfect and beautiful message. That even though we celebrate this birth tomorrow, we can look forward to the end knowing that our king is triumphant. So ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas from me at Undying Light. I love you all for listening, and I pray that God will bless you into this coming year. Again, this episode is listener-supported, so if you feel that it is in your obligation to help fund this ministry and drive us forward, you can become a Patreon, and you will get access to so many wonderful things. In the coming year, I anticipate doing so much more to show my support for my Patreons. Until next year, when we kick off this amazing eschatological series, I am Alex, and I wish you all the most merriest of Christmases. I'll see you all next year. God bless. I love you. the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.